Coming to you live from West Palm Beach. This is the leader next door. I've moved locations. A lot of you don't know this, but I moved the whole operation down to Florida. We're super excited about the move all the way from Chalfont, Pennsylvania. Just kidding. But I am here with a good friend and brother-in-law, Ken Massa, today on the leader next door. Welcome, Ken. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm good. When's the last time that you actually did a podcast? About four minutes ago. Four minutes ago. As a matter of fact... Um, <laughs> I am down here visiting Ken because my sister married Ken. And um, a couple days ago when we were down here, didn't move here. It was just a joke. A couple days ago, um, I said, Ken, man, this is the first time in like over a year that I'm not going to have a podcast every week. And I'm like pretty adamant about getting them out every week. I think that's a big part of what I need to do. And Ken goes, why don't we do one? Why don't we do? I was like, and then he's like, we'll do one. You could be on my show. I'll be on your show. I was like, that's awesome. And then, and since then I've been thinking about, wait a minute, what if we cross topics? How is this going to happen? How is this going to work? <laughs> so we just did ours. And I, I don't think that, um, we'll, we'll cross too much, but, um, could you tell us a little bit, Kenny, about, um, the podcast that we just did and, and how it ties into like your company and who you are? Yeah. So the podcast that we just did is called massive action. Uh, I've been debating for a long time of whether to do a personal podcast myself or a business podcast. Um, our our company specifically helps other companies with top line growth using paid advertising and everything else in between website development, uh, CRMs, paid advertising methods, any type of format to create more attention for a business to help them generate more leads, more customers and more revenue. That's really what we focus on. But there's also a big personal development portion of business as well. So I've always constantly went back and forth between whether to do it personally or professionally. And we've just come together to, to format Massive Action, which is a bit of a blend of both. We have business professionals on the podcast. We have just entrepreneurs. We have people doing big things, moving towards big actions and big goals and aspirations. And we hear their story and, and listen to their voyage and get deeper into who they are, what they're doing, and why they're doing it. Awesome. And if we can, we circle it back to marketing and some type of perspective. If we can. Um, <laughs> do we? So who have you had on the show so far that like, or like if someone sticks out like a, a little like nugget you've taken away or something like that from one of your guests? So we've really tried to create variety. So far we've had Doug Chapman, who's been, uh, who is with the... University of Marshall. He's a player development coach, cool. which is for the football team, which is a really great person to know and a really great person to listen to. A massive amount of, of action being done with the University of Marshall, but also uh, just as a person, he's very, very driven, devoted, and disciplined, and he's a great person to listen to. Uh, and then we've had some different people in regards to uh, just the professional career of, yeah. of talking about marketing and we had someone from iHeartMedia recently, which is a great podcast with actually that drops tomorrow. Nice. So just we've had a lot of variety. Everyone brings a little bit of a different flavor, which is great. So I would say everyone's equal in that perspective. We've only done a handful of different um, podcasts. You bring a perspective that no one else has brought to the table so far, which is awesome. So cool. that's really our focus right now. Yeah. I know you have, um, and I don't even know, we can edit this out. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I know you have another podcast you do with some old like 
college friends and stuff like that, it seems a little bit like of a different style, which <laughs> seems like maybe it's going to hit a different audience perhaps, but are you allowed to talk about that one? Yeah. I'm or totally is that like, uh, we don't want anyone to know about that. I use my like uh, a pseudonym for that one or something. No, it's, it's funny because it, it's a completely different side of uh, me personally. And I, the reason why I do it is because I get to spend time with some of my best friends in a way that is completely uh, inversely related to the way that we look at things on massive action. Massive action and just bi the business world is more professional, more serious, more disciplined and driven. The Bender Continues is the name of the podcast with my friends and we really focus on a variety of different topics. It's kind of we let things roll as they come and it's more controversial, more fun. And I just, I love being in the environment with them. It's, it is the total opposite of what I get to do on a day to day. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to professionals in more of a manner of seriousness. It's about their business and about big decisions in their business. Yeah. So I, I get to spend time with these guys and talk about uh, cool topics that are fun and debatable and, <laughs> You know, I just think of it as if I'm going to the bar and hanging out with my, my friends and just shooting the shit. That's <laughs> yeah. what we get to talk about. That's pretty cool. The thing the thing about that with me is like, man, most of there's just a lot of topics that would not be good for me. Like I have a public job. A lot of my friends are teachers. Like there's stuff that you say. I'm not yeah, you know, I'm not a bad person, but like there's things I might say off my podcast that I, you know, wouldn't say on my podcast. Do you, is there a line for you that you're like, Hey, we better edit that out. Or like, Hey, like, like try to keep it like at an eight instead of a 10. Does that ever come up or no? Uh, for me, not as much because yeah. I feel like, um, if I, I am who I am and I like everybody, I think there's a professional side of someone and a, a level of, uh, focus that someone in, implements into their business or into their professional career. And then there's a level of fun and, yeah. and um, flexibility. So people have those that, that spectrum of personality. But I think that if I am who I am and you don't want to do business with me because of that, then it's only going to hurt you and your business because I know that what we do is wonderful for businesses. Yeah. And it dramatically affects the revenue of, of businesses. And it, you know, it is uh, a massive, I would say, I would say implementation of beneficial factors for a business, right? If you don't have marketing and you don't have someone that's good at marketing, yeah. you're going to struggle. So if, if because of one of my point of views on a podcast is going to hold you back from that, wow. Yeah. And that's, that's not good. But for my friends, yeah, they're in a, <laughs> they're in a position where they got to think about those things a little bit more. Yeah. We have, um, this is the first podcast that I've ever done at a real podcast studio. And I want to send a shout out to your producer, Ty, back there. Uh, Ty, how's it going back there? Are you allowed to chime in? I, I think I'm allowed to chime in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you listen to Joe Rogan, he has Jamie. Uh, yeah. Kenny has Ty. Um, Ty, are you called on a lot in this in uh, the typical podcast? Or do you do you have a, a role? TBC. I, I, I am the the gavel of the of the hot takes I, I decide who wins and that that's about it really um so i wanted to ask you this i mean thanks for uh making me feel special and being part of a, a real like studio and stuff but what has been one of those debates that that sticks out to you that you think is um maybe people will want to get people listening to just out of curiosity is there one that sticks out it's okay whatever it is i think it it's pretty divisive um between um what was it seinfeld and and friends. friends yeah. What was the debate? Just which is better? Just which is uh, in terms of comedy, time, like timeless that that era of 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 sitcoms. 
which one stands the true test of time. And I, I think I, I went with um, Seinfeld. Yeah. I think Seinfeld is the is the one, at the, the root of all every joke in TV media. <laughs> and you're the judge, right? Like you get to choose after hearing all the arguments. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I mean, like Ty's back there. I mean, he's like doing all this high tech stuff. You have your company, Kenny. And it's like, when did you realize that you have to build this studio kind of like, you know, I could say state of the art because for me it, it feels like it is. Maybe it's not. Whatever, it's it's awesome. What, what part of your process were you like? Yeah, we need this. Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that um, our primary business is paid advertising. So in order to put your business in front of any type of user, it doesn't matter what product or service you offer. There has to be a message in a way that you deliver that message, which is also referred to as content mm-hmm. or the creative. So. In order to have a creative or have the content to put in front of someone, you have to have a video or an image or any type of thing that illustrates your brand or your business. It's one of the biggest hurdles for businesses today is to create that type of content and and issue it in the proper manner. But content is becoming more and more and more important for businesses. Not only just creating a piece of content for advertising purposes, but to be relevant in the marketplace and to continue to build your brand, that's one of the most important pieces of implementing a podcast or uh, some type of informational-based product or video, explainer video. So we created this kind of as an ancillary portion of all of the other pieces of uh, paid advertising or marketing that we do. No one can say, oh, well, I, 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 I don't have the content about that. In many cases, we can say, no problem at all. You're the subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. We have a room where you can come sit down and you can talk about that. And we can get that on an audio format or on a video format. And you could be the professional, you can be the expert, and we could create that content and then help distribute it to your marketplace and your target audience. That's awesome. And that's, I mean, that's kind of like the basis of what you guys do here yeah. uh, at Mass Inbound. Um, and I, I'm always trying to think, like, I know... You got some cool stuff going on here and, and you know the ins and outs of a lot of how to you know, how to get more traffic to your sites and more more sales and all that. But I try to think like back home in Pennsylvania, I'm like, man, how like how could I ever help them or how, like should I ever like talk to a business about whatever? And and it gets me thinking like how does it, how does the typical company like even come to you? Is it like I think we did talk about this before and you said like they usually come in because they need help with their website. And then from there, like, let, let me let me ask you this. I'm a company that sells uh, or is like a pool industry company or something like that. I have a friend who owns a company at home called The Merman. And um, cool. it, it's pretty big, actually. But what if he's like, man, I'm, I'm, I want to, you know, expand. He comes to you and says, how can you help us? Like, what are some specific things that you're going to help him with that you so could I- potentially help them with? I usually ask them the questions about their business because there's stages of business, right? And depending on the stage of the business, it would help us understand what they need and where they are. If they're just starting off, they may need more of an infrastructure format, which is creating the foundation of their digital presence, the landing page, the website, Mm -hmm. creating some of the social accounts if they don't even have that yet. So are they beyond that or are they just at that beginning stage? If they're beyond that and they have a lot of their fundamental aspects of digital presence, then they have to wonder, okay, well, we have these things. Are people going to them? Mm -hmm. So that's where our data analytics comes in or 
the observation of how their current structure works and, and if it's working. Are they doing things to drive traffic to their site currently? Are they creating content? Are they distributing content? Are they uh, running paid advertising already on Facebook, Instagram, Google, TikTok, YouTube, yeah. any place? If they are, data analytics and our data analytics tracking will allow us to see that. And we usually do a 30, 60, or 90-day audit to analyze if what they are doing is working. Okay. If they're not doing anything, well, then we need to start doing something, which is paid advertising. So then we create attention and create leads. And that's the biggest portion of our business because when people come to us, usually it's in a state of them wanting to expand their business. And in the business expansion phase, they're simply looking at growing top-line revenue. So as they grow top-line revenue, you have more money in the system, other problems start to come down the pipeline, which is moving into the next phase, which is now we have a lot of attention. Now we have a lot of leads. We may have a sales problem because our sales team is struggling mm -hmm. to keep up or perform. So that becomes the next phase, which is implementing a CRM, a, a client relationship management system. Okay. How do you manage the people coming in that are inquiring about your products or services? If you had 100 leads, what in what fashion are you going to organize that information to make sure that you are properly handling the leads and inquiries mm -hmm. and make sure that you're providing a good customer experience? Yeah. So the CRM is the next phase. And then it's just constantly a cycle after that of managing. You have your foundation, right? Your digital structure, making sure that's kind of ever living and growing, making sure that your paid advertising is fresh, being put in front of new audiences, cultivating a strong, powerful brand presence, but also generating the traffic and leads that you need yeah. for a better cost because there's no excuse today why you shouldn't put your marketing to work for you and learn more about your target audience and how you can bring in leads for the best cost, which helps increase margins. And then continuing to use data to get better and better and better. Just keep spinning that process. I mean, the way you make it sound like you have done this before and you have it, you have it kind of figured out. But if I was a company coming to you and I'm like, all right, this all sounds really great. And yeah, we need all of this. Is a question that a lot of companies ask is like, well, how do you how are you going to prove that you're going to help me? How can you guarantee like um, an ROI or however they would say it? Like, how do you answer? How do you answer that question when when I'm sure they ask you something like that, right? Yeah, marketing is very similar to the stock market or investing with a financial advisor. Okay, right. A financial advisor is there not because they're going to place your your money in a position that they willingly and guarantee mm -hmm. an investment increase or mm -hmm a return on investment because if they did that that would be illegal yes right <laughs> so it is all an assumption based off of calculated value right and that is what marketing is in the same sense no one can guarantee that something is going to work in a marketplace of marketing because you don't know how the environment the consumers are going to react unless it is something that you've done cyclically or annually or seasonally or something like that. And you know that this time of year, this happens. But even that, external conditions come in. COVID is a good example. People did not buy things the same way that they did on a seasonal trend during COVID. Yeah. Outside of COVID was totally different, right? So when someone comes in and asks, can you guarantee an ROI? Um, usually I try to help them understand what they're thinking in that sense. I understand, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that your money and your finances are going to be positioned in a way that's going to yield you a return. Sure. Completely understandable. Yeah. 
But marketing is an investment into your company. Mm -hmm. And with that investment into your company, if we do the things right, and if we align that right, and if you show up and do it, then you're going to position your company in a better position than if you do not do it. Got it. And if you don't do it, your growth strategy is going to struggle and it's going to take a lot more time. But if you do do it and you, and if you, even if you do it and you don't do it perfectly the first time, you're going to learn something from it, which is still valuable. Maybe not on a return on investment and on a, on a cash flow statement or on an income statement yeah. or a balance sheet, but knowledgeably on how you should interact with your marketplace. It is valuable. Yeah. That man, I mean, that's a great answer. Um, do you feel that like, do you have a background in um, sales at all? Or do you feel like you're selling a lot, like your company, your ideas, like that kind of thing? Yeah, I think that sales is basically an ever living thing in the in the position of owning a business. If you can't sell your business, it's going to be yeah. really difficult. Well, it brings me to another idea. Um, I was thinking today as I was walking um, to breakfast, we went to the same breakfast spot in West Palm Beach called Yoke for four days in a row. Um, <laughs> even though today I decided that I'm on a 48-hour fast because I just feel bloated and sick from visiting Fort Lauderdale yesterday. Um, anyway, so <laughs> my wife enjoyed breakfast and stuff, even though she was mad at me that I didn't eat. Uh, anyway, so I'm thinking about I was thinking about like the way that you sell and I'm thinking about sales and I had some like fun jobs when I was a kid and some crappy jobs. And one of the jobs that I had was like a door to door salesman. Um, and I learned from a young age that, and I, I mean young, like I was in high school, I sold the uh, USA Today, Philadelphia Inquirer and Philadelphia Daily News. Wow. And I, some dude would pick me up in a Chevy Astro van, definitely shady. <laughs> and me and like four kids, and it wasn't like, I was also a paper boy, but I, and I did door to door sales for that too, but this was like a paid position and he would drop us off and do developments in the late nineties. And I would just knock on endless doors for like, um, four hour increments. Wow. I learned so much about myself and people and like sales yeah. in that, from that experience. Sometimes I wonder like what jobs helped me the most in like just my life. And I feel like I feel like that job like taught me a lot of things of like how to deal with people, how to kind of get what you need from people and stuff like that. So my question to you is like, what kind of jobs did you have growing up that either were really shitty and you learned that, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to work really hard at this or gave you some experience or knowledge that, that you put to use in this whole brand that you've created? So I didn't have um, a wide variety of jobs. I did have a, a handful of jobs, but uh, my dad owned a company, a swimming pool company, which is seasonal in, in New Jersey. So yeah. it operated from you know, maybe, depending on the weather, of course, but maybe April to September, okay. give or take. Um, sometimes May if it was still running a cold summer or cold winter. So give or take, give about five months a year. And... Um, being the son of the owner of a company like that, uh, you have a full spectrum of of work efforts because you'll have great days where you're like, this is awesome. And yeah. then you have the next day where you're like, this is terrible. I never want to do this again in my life. Yeah. And um, my dad really, he expected a lot from me. So I would say that I, in that, in that case scenario, if we worked eight hours, I was expected to work 12 Right. I, like yeah. the job just didn't end until it ended. Like it I'm, got done. Yeah. So because if, if it wasn't me, it was him and, and vice versa. So yeah. 
there was there was that aspect. But I worked at Shoprite for a while, and I worked um, I worked. It was easy when I worked in the frozen section of Shoprite because yeah. they were like, just go get bays and pull them out, and then just stock the shelves. I was like, okay, cool. And they just like left you alone. You yeah. just like just went back and forth all day and did your own thing. And if like someone asked you a random question, you'd have to like answer it, which yeah. was easy. And then uh, that was at a time when I was a senior in college and I had track. So I had to move my position because track and field was after school yeah. and the hours messed with the, with that. Sure. But then the shift from the frozen food section to being a cash register person was uh, insanely different. Yeah. The, the interaction between customers when you're at the cashier is like, you have to be able to work with people. Yeah. And people are not always the most calm, especially when they give you a coupon that's four years expired and expected to work. And you're like, I don't know what you want me to do. I didn't make the coupon. Yeah. I'm like 16 years old. I'm like, I don't know what to do here, but you have to figure it out and kind of like, you know, calm them down or like call someone. You're like, this coupon's five years old. Yeah. So there was that, but no matter what job it was, I still have to go back to the the most powerful job for me was when I created this company, which was not, uh, at the time, this company was called Pretty Penny Marketing, which Mm -hmm. was just a social media company, and we were just running Facebook and Instagram ads. And in order to create that company, I had to go door to door. And I went door to door to businesses, and it was challenging. I had no experience. I had no credibility. I was 20 two years old and I just started all of this and um, it was difficult. What was, it, what was it like to, to hit that first, uh, do you remember like your first one or two doors you knocked on? Like yeah, what happened? Horrible. It was terrible. You know, like I, I like, I made a business card and I made like a flyer and I, you know, I had like some details on the flyer and I would go in and try to just talk to them. And I didn't yeah. realize that no one would be willing to talk to you. Yeah. Um, so that was a hurdle, right? Getting into a place where someone was willing. And then when I did have someone willing to talk to me, I quickly realized the, the person who had enough time to talk to me and spend an hour with me mm-hmm. either wasn't the right person to talk to uh, <laughs> or wasn't the right business because if they have that much time and they're not, and they're, they're not that busy, yeah. something else is going on. <laughs> so there was that challenge. It was Difficult, really yeah. difficult. There was points where I was sitting in my car. I didn't personally want to be doing that, right? Yeah. I didn't hurt that. That wasn't, it's not fun to do. No, now, hard. different, they're totally different. I enjoy doing that more yeah. um, because it's more of overcoming a feat. And I like talking to people and I like coming over the objection of finding the person who doesn't want to talk to me and then having a nice conversation with them. And I understand the business so much differently. Yeah. Um, but it, I remember there was points when I was sitting in my car and I was like, okay, like you got to do it. You got to go. Like you got to get out of your car. You got to go do it. I'd be like, okay, I'm counting three. Three, two, one. I'm like, get out of my car. Like, cause, and I, I remember vividly one of our larger clients that's been with us for six years now. I drove to the parking lot of that business like three times before I actually walked in that business. And it's been such a great relationship with that business and it's led to so many relationships. Um, but it was really difficult. That's awesome. You know, it's funny. It's like now when you think about like when I think of the job that I had in like 94 going door to door, now it's like 
if you knock on someone's door now, it's a little bit like, all right, there, there's trouble. Like that's mm-hmm. like with the ring cams and all this, like rarely do you see door to door sales anymore. Um, and I know you were going to businesses and not like yeah. residential homes, but, um, I was going to residential homes and I, man, I could tell you some stories. I mean, I, there was one guy who was like, a like a devil worshiper invited me in and I see all this shit on the wall. I'm like, Oh God, I got to get out of here. But he was like signing up for like a Sunday subscription. So I'm like, maybe I'll just stay and like get the extra like 20 bucks, stuff like that. And, and also like I learned one of the things that I learned from a young age was that, um, we had this 13 week money back guarantee type situation and it was a pamphlet. Right. And, and I still, I still teach this in my classes to this day. Like if you stand there and you say, you know, I still remember my speech. Hi, my name is Jim. I'm going around the area trying to win an educational savings bond towards college. One of the ways you can help me out. And I, whole, I still have it in my head, right? And I still remember all the rebuttals. It's like, like a robot. But one of the, the key things that I learned was if you take that money back guarantee and you don't hold it, you put it in their chest. And it's like a natural reaction. They have to take it. And then it's in their hands. And then they have something to like reference. It's harder for them to like like push you away that one little thing. And I know that seems pushy and it probably was. Um, and I was like 15, you know, whatever it like, I remember that. So when I'm talking to kids now about maybe they're not, um, like at at my, as a teacher, maybe they're like trying to sell an event or talk to freshmen. Hey, I want you to come out to this here. Check this out. It's not like here, check this out here, check this out. It makes them take it. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. I don't think that's kind of like threatening in a way if you're like well if i did that but do you do you see do you ever see things like little little sales maneuvers it doesn't have to be that invasive but are there like little tricks that you've learned that kind of work um that you like you've seen people implement or that you've implemented doesn't have to be as like obvious as that but yeah, I mean, I've I've went through sales training myself, so I've paid for those different things and and taking courses with people like okay. uh, Grant Cardone and and all those kind of people. So, I have implemented those types of strategies. But some things is like the mirroring effect, where if like you see someone crossing their arms, like you'll cross their arms, <laughs> and like and then like if you like if you if they're crossing their arms right, and then you cross your arms, and then you like wipe your face as you're talking to them, and like then put your arms to the side they'll mirror those things after a period of time. Really? Um, yeah, there's like different different it, things. Have like you that. seen that work? Um, yeah. It, well, someone crossing their arms during a conversation is a closed off thing. Yeah, I've thing. definitely heard that. Not a good thing. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that. And then when it, when you get them to do that and, and open their, their arms, then oh. obviously it becomes more open towards receiving information. Yeah. The other thing is, Finding a very relatable aspect of, and I, I find this to be more of a thing, like the mirroring aspect, like, I don't know, does it work or not? Who knows? Just like a little bit of, yeah. But I do try to find some type of relatable thing with that person. And if I understand either their business in a, in a very relatable fashion, or I understand where they come from as a person or what they've been through as a person, that has helped. Okay. Uh, particularly living in South Florida, a lot of people are from the Northeast. Yeah. Finding people that are in business that are from the Northeast. And then I tell them that I'm from the Northeast has been a powerful thing because there's a immediate sense of trust yeah. that I feel like I gain with people um, that really understand me and they, they like the culture and they like to stick together. The New Jersey, New York type yeah. attitude, Pennsylvania, like just the particularly the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania people. Yeah. 
I don't know why, but... I saw that when I visited you guys a few months ago. There was somebody, you probably don't remember this, but we were out at the pool, like, making dinner and stuff, and, like, this husband and wife were looking at the condos, and, and they're like, oh, you're from Jersey? They're like, And next thing you know, it's like, boom, they're like, yeah. you're, they're in. They're, they're, like, asking you hundreds of questions, like, you know, a ton of questions and stuff, yeah. and I, I saw that. That's neat. It's neat that you say, though, like, all those little things, um, like, the opening up, and if you can get them to mimic you, it's almost like... Um, have you ever heard if you actually like smile, like the way your face is, it makes you happier, the way you're breathing in and stuff like that. So kind of reminds me of, of a little bit of those. Like I love those little like, um, I don't know, tricks in life, um, whether it's like the, the paper thing or the body mimicking thing or the smiling thing. I just think that those things are like these little Jedi um, kind of mind tricks that, you know, I'm not saying you should use them for good, but they're like these powerful little things that you could add to your it, I think it's like a, it's like an energy shift. Yeah. And I think the shift in energy is really what you're looking for, whether it's someone who's just, uh, whose emotion is flat and then you're using a smile to help create or using tonality, right? Tonality is a really big thing. And I think tonality specifically, um, debatable thing here, but like Jordan Belfort from like Wolf of Wall Street, very big. He's still around today. Does yeah. a lot of sales training, does a lot of tonality based sales stuff, right? What is that? Tell me about that. Um, so his whole thing particularly is like the straight line method of sales, which is um, people go, there's a straight line and you're driving that straight line from the opening of the sale to the end of the sale. Mm -hmm. And as people deviate from that, you want to get them back to the straight line. Uh, method mm. of sales but tonality is one aspect of that he harps on in um in his sales methods and it's more like uh, hey jim how you doing today like increasing tonality instead of saying like hey jim how are you today yeah like who do you want to to purchase something from the guy who sounds perky and sounds like maybe you want to do business with or the guy who's like hey jim how you doing today do you want to buy possibly something that i'm selling where it's like yeah yeah you know, the, the way that you say things and the way that it comes off, one, I think it, it illustrates a level of confidence yeah. in your product, your service, and you personally. But two, it makes you, I would say, somewhat relatable because it illustrates energy shifts and emotional trends that may correlate with a person's attitude. Yeah. And over time of, of having that tonality element of things, people will kind of mirror or relate to that, that level of energy. Yeah. And as that level of energy is illustrated from you, they will in, in some form agree with that and start to kind of pick up on that. I love that you said that because it, it, it's making me think of something that I really try to, um, I guess, preach or teach whatever to my students in, in the leadership program that I run. And it's uh, and I didn't make this up, but I, I love it. And I was taught this years ago. Um, when you enter a room, you want to be the thermostat and not the thermometer. Have you ever heard yeah. of that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's, you know, it's probably more common than I think, but that registered with me, like that little, whatever, metaphor, whatever the heck it's called. But like, I'm like, man, you have to set the tone. Yeah. Like if you, and, and, and that's why I love sales too. Even as, like, I feel like sales is everything. everything. It's everywhere. I'm selling myself on an idea. I'm, in a couple of weeks, I'll be back at school. I need to sell an entire school. Like this school is, it's pr this program is it. Like we're going to help you. With, and you got to get them to buy in. Tonality comes in. Sit, like all of, the, all of it matters. And yeah. it's like, I, I love learning little things like that and, and just seeing that it's relevant in other industries. And it's cool. Patty's probably going to listen to this and laugh. But I mean, it's like even um, when, when your spouse asks you, like, what do you want for dinner tonight? 
right? Like I get that question a lot. And Patty, Patty asks that all the time. <laughs> and there's times where I want to go out and yeah. I'm like, let's just go somewhere and have something. And she's not. But the way that you say that is the key to getting them agree to agree with, with that. If I'm like, I don't know, do you want to go out? Like, do you want to go get something to eat? It kind of sounds like I don't really want to go, yeah. but I'm like, I don't know. Let's go out. Like, let's go grab a drink. Let's have yeah. something like, let's go grab some food and hang out. And then yeah. like, okay. Like the energy kind of travels within like, all right. Like it's just the vibe. I know what you mean. Now she's, now it's not going to work anymore, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's over. We just blew that one. No, it, it is funny you say that. Cause with my wife, Jen, I'm like, um, sometimes like I secretly want to go out, but I won't say it like perky like that because I want her to be the one that is the lead in that. And it's kind of messed up. It's probably some <laughs> stupid game that I'm playing, but I know what you're saying. Um, so I, it's funny. Like I, that's why I like talking to you because I know you're heavily invested, involved, invested in sales. And like, I get all these little things and it is like, I'm sure any job, like if you implement a lot of these strategies, um, it can help you in any job. Like, yeah. that's what I try to teach my students. Like, yeah, you're, maybe you're not going to be a salesperson, but like you need to sell yourself and know your worth and like be, um, you know, carry confidence around and, and be like, you know, use that tonality or that, those, gen, those um, gentle hand gestures. Like when you're talking to people, those things matter. It's as simple as you agreeing to do something or you or you creating something um, to agree upon with your spouse. It could be if you're not in a sales position, it could be you selling your boss on a raise. Yeah. It could be you selling yourself into a position at a company when they're attempting to hire you. Mm -hmm. It could be like I even think of sales and I find this as a as a fun thing. Uh, which I'm not sure if it's messed up or not. When you're going to like get a car, right? Lease a car. Mm -hmm. I'll stay there all day. I will negotiate that lease or that, that purchase all day. I love it. Like I am all about that. I am. If he says a number, I'm not, there's no way I'm no. going on that number, No. but it is sales to get them to agree upon. I'm basically selling them what I, on what I think the price is. And of course we meet in the middle, but it's a negotiation process, which is a part of sales. Yeah. But still selling and I'm, I'm selling it probably harder than they're selling the car and they're making the commission. I'm getting, of course the vehicle, but yeah. sales and getting the best deal. Yeah. It's funny that that's a great way to look at. You're not the salesman, but you kind of are, Yeah, yeah. you know, selling someone on my thought or what I want to pay on something or yeah. yeah, it's everywhere. It's everything you do. There's an element of selling. To yeah. You. And even when you go for your job, like what job do you want to get? Well, do you want to go to grad school? You have these interviews, interviews, you're selling yourself. Yeah. And all of those things kind of um, kind of come into play. Yeah. Um, I wanted to throw this over to Ty real quick. Ty, have you ever had, going back to what we were talking about before, have you ever had a shitty job? Uh, oh, he's about to say, oh, no. I. Oh, man, sorry, Ty. I, Don't say it. I've had a couple, yeah. Okay. What was, what was one that sticks out? What is the worst job that you've um, ever had? And if this is it, we're not allowed to say it. Uh, but, <laughs> but you can blink once if, okay. I, this, I, is, this is definitely not it this is a, bit, a huge upgrade awesome. but um I, I i had other production stuff which was just like in like the live streaming space which is just its own ball of stress yeah but um i i did um just like floor sales for like a uh what was it like a antique little shop in the middle of tiny town in the middle of nowhere wow 
How, and, what was your what was your like go to technique? Because you're ta- you're hearing me, who's not a salesperson, talk about the old shove the flyer in their chest, and Kenny's <laughs> telling you how to like change their body language. What did you do? I mean, it was a crazy store, so <laughs> it was just like trying to help people with like what. Hey, what are you like looking for? Are you look looking for anything in particular? And sometimes you'll get the guy like I helped one guy look for uh, skeleton keys for about thirty minutes. I was like, what do you <laughs> why why? And he's like, oh, I found a lock in my backyard. I'm seeing if you guys have the key. I was like, we don't we don't have the key. Go. <laughs> of course, we don't have. The the key from the lock and yard but it's just trying to people don't even know what they're looking for so it's trying to help people find something that they don't know that yeah. they need that's funny man yeah i mean it's uh, i'll tell you i had going back to um the uh telemarketing job that i had helping people quit smoking and um doing all kinds of weird jobs but um some of the weirdest things that i ever saw in an environment happened there the one guy his name was toddster and he was like a shorter guy, really short. I went to, um, and I worked there with like my, my best friend from high school. And I went to the bathroom one time. Like I, we worked after school, right? So it was like five to nine. So I went in, I'd eat dinner. You get like a 25 minute break. And I came back to my desk. And after dinner, I was at my desk sitting next to my friend, Mike. And I'm like, dude, I lost my freaking, it's like, I lost my Tupperware. So I go back into the bathroom. Toddster, he, he took a dump in the Tupperware. And, he, and I didn't know it was him at that point. And it was sitting on the sink. And I'm like, I was like, dude, go back to the bathroom and look, whatever. We found out later it was him. It's the same guy that got fired at his, um, he got fired from this place for cooking at his desk. We, just picture all these cubicles. It's kind of like out here that you have. What? He brought a Coleman stove in and he was cooking like pork chops at his desk. He was just, he wasn't all there. Um, sometimes he would like play the fiddle and he would just break it out of his like backpack I love I love being able to like reference those experiences. Um, I love being able to reference that I was a roofer for like three weeks, um, <laughs> and I got to watch the guys like um, try to be done by noon so they could smoke pot and drink every single day. It's fun to like have these experiences that like you know you don't want. <laughs> yeah, but if you don't True. have them, if you don't put yourself in those situations, like I don't know, kind of is like well, maybe it's not so bad. But having I think like as you're young, having like jobs that are not ideal is oftentimes as valuable as having good jobs. I think it also creates um, a sense of what is the word I'm looking for? Like a sense of understand appreciation, right? So when you are in that role and you're like, this is not really what I like, or this is not really the avenue that I think I want to pursue. When you do find a role that you are, uh, have the opportunity to be in, and you are living in, you become more appreciated towards that role because you understand what else there is out there and where yeah. you could potentially be. So I think the level of appreciation is is more grand when you have those negative experiences because then you start to understand a lot more around what, what is out there and what hurt. Yeah. No. The dark side of everything else. The dark side. <laughs> um, you ever said... Are you able to, Ty, are you able to bring up video on this or probably not? Well, the only thing I would want to say, like, you don't even have to bring it up. If you can, that's great. But did you ever see the video? It's it, It's gone around. It's Bill Gates and, like, a couple other guys up on stage and they're dancing, like, all <laughs> goofy and stuff. They're at one of, like, this huge sales convention or, like, some convention. But I saw it, like, I think it was yesterday. And it reminded me of. It was, I don't know if you'll ever find that just so you could see it. That's but funny. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's hilarious. But it was, it, the the reference was, it was like a meme. It was like, 
the school administrators at the beginning of the school year <laughs> having all the teachers in the auditorium with like the in-service and they're all pumped up but all the teachers really want to do is get to their classroom to like get ready you know yeah. what i mean yeah. and it was like bill gates is like doing this dance and <laughs> they're all like pumped up like sprinting on stage like just it's almost like a um uh what's his name uh like a tony robbins type thing yeah. which i love i think tony robbins is awesome but it's like I don't know. Have you ever seen? Do you know what I'm talking about? They they also have the ones in church where like the people are going. I know what you're to, talking about. Yeah, like yeah. Um, I know the Tony Robbins side of things, but I've never seen the clip with uh, Bill Gates. But that is funny. It's funny. Maybe you'll see it at some point. But I, I'm just saying that because I'm going back into teaching. Um, you know, our school year starts up in a couple of weeks, and it's just like it made me laugh, and, <laughs> and I think that's funny. Although I love our administrators at our school; they're awesome. Uh, I can't wait to see what we have to learn. Just throwing that out there. Um, I might have it. Is this the one? Oh, let's see. Oh, I hope so. Yes, this yeah, is it. Probably. Oh my God, this is great. <laughs> is there a oh, yeah. Watch. <laughs> Steve Palmer. This <laughs> 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 video camera everywhere. Uh, thanks, Ty. That's so funny. Does that get you pumped up for, you know, something? No, but you know what's really funny about that is because it's like those guys are probably presenting something that we that was like the cornerstone of like technology of what it is today. Yes. And they were like all hyped about it, but they're just Bill Gates and Balmer and like exactly. all those guys. So yeah. That's funny. It's they were into it. Um yeah, I've been part of some of those in my life and it's it's kind of fun. Education well, I'll talk about education another time, but I wanted to change topics real quick. Yeah. I like, um, I know you, you're a busy dude. I know you don't even watch much TV, but I want you to go back into, um, I want you to think for a minute. And Ty, you can play this game too if you want. I want you to go back into your childhood or modern day. And I want you to think of a movie or a show that um, somebody in that movie or show exhibited what a leader is to you or is just an example of something like you go back in your childhood and maybe it was a cartoon, maybe it was a movie, whatever. Um, I have mine picked out. I was thinking about it today. I was like, wow. And it came to me quicker than I thought. You may like, look, if you don't even watch TV, you're like, I can't play this game, Jim. I just can't do it. Um, Ty, you can play too. I'm going to ask you, Ty, you don't have to go, but do you have one in mind? Ty went to the bathroom. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. Ty? Um, off the top of my head, I I can think of like a couple, All right. maybe. All right, well, one or two. Um, well, if you if you're gonna jump into it, go ahead. I mean, it seems like you have one. Who is it? <laughs> it's uh, it's a. It's, I don't know why my brain went to this weird example. It's just this clip. I think it was like the new um King Kong movie or something. Okay. There's one scene like they're they're on like the Skull Island or whatever, and um one of the guys is like doing this like brave like sacrifice thing where he like goes up and he has like two grenades in his hand he's like gonna beat the monster and the, the monster just like looks at him for a second and just like flicks him in like 30 100 feet off like and he blows up into a wall like it was totally like pointless that he did that but like yeah. that like those the the counter between his want to go do that and then it didn't work out the best for him but he had he had good intentions yeah i like it no that's good that's a good example um what about you, Ken? Are you still thinking? Or maybe maybe one doesn't come to mind. So we're trying to think of someone who we believe in a movie setting was a leader that we that represented something that we believe in a leader. Or kind of. Or just someone that you're like, man, when I think back to this movie, my childhood, I wanted to be that. Like he, mo he or she motivated me. Or like, man, like that. When I really think about it, yeah, they were a leader. 
And it doesn't have to be, it could be like off the, I mean, like that was a pretty crazy example that Ty gave. I didn't expect that. So, I mean, currently, yeah, I, I, I'll have two probably currently because as we evolve that, that role probably changes, right? Yeah, perhaps. I've been watching the show Suits, which I was telling you about. Yeah. Steve Harvey in that, uh, that role of. Wait, he, Steve Harvey is in that? Not Steve Harvey. Uh, what's his name? Um. Harvey Specter. I don't know oh, why I said Steve Harvey. That was one thing I was thinking. Family Feud. I was like, that. No, that was one thing I was thinking about, which I'll tell you about in a second. Okay. Um, but uh, Harvey Specter is his is his name in the in the movie, which or in the show actually, because it was a ten year show, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's a an attorney who is positioned to be a very powerful attorney in the city of New York, and has a lot of responsibility, overcomes a lot of challenges. You see him go through great portions of his personal and uh, business career, and you see him develop as a as a person. And a lot of the things that he endures, I feel very related to, okay. personally and professionally. Um, so it's just really interesting how I I just he just embodies a lot of things leadership wise that I I like. Okay. Um, the reason I brought up Steve Harvey was because I actually saw Steve Harvey at, uh, which was someone that I would have never seen from this perspective. And now you see a little bit more motivational things from Steve Harvey coming yeah. out. But he was someone who was just like a game show guy, like yeah. Family Feud. Like that was really it, right? He's pretty good at it too. He's, he's really pretty, good he's at it. He's a great host. He's hilarious. But when I saw him, and, and he, he was really more comedy driven though. Like yeah. it, in that perspective, like he was more funny and and. I think his image kind of portrayed that more. I had an opportunity to see him at an, in a uh, professional setting at um, the 10 X convention that Grant Cardone held in uh, the Marlins stadium uh, in South Florida and Miami. And he talked a lot about his career and how he lost everything multiple times, millions of dollars, how he went bankrupt because of a, um, a, an accountant that like basically defrauded him and, mm how he like on his phone he showed his phone on camera and he has different like images on his phone that illustrate his goals and every time he looks at his phone it was like a picture of his wife and picture of his kids and the car and house mm. and things that he that is pushing him towards more success and the level of like you see him from one perspective on family feud yeah but then he had this that was very much more psychological and more uh just in depth in the process of a voyage to someone's lifestyle yeah. of becoming a professional but also becoming famous yeah. because at one point he was steve harvey but he wasn't steve harvey that we know right and just seeing that whole thing and hearing him talk about his experiences was like a really totally different side of someone from a um, I would say celebrity level Yeah, that you don't really get to see too much because you see celebrities and you look at them or, or I think the public looks at them in a different perspective. And I had an opportunity to talk to a few different celebrities and hear stories of different celebrities in live settings and what they have endured to get to the position that you see them in and what the public views them in yeah. is not the same story that you think they had in getting to the position that you see them in today. Yeah. It's dramatically different right. and it's a process and that has, 
no, not easy. Yeah. But it's a process that has ups and downs throughout the whole way, just like anything else anyone does. Of course, there's a case scenarios where people get there where it's a little bit easier than others. But for the most part, um, like his story was like full with very high highs and very low lows. Yeah. And although that wasn't a movie, yeah, it was a kind of a show. But And that was, again, not... I was probably middle-aged because Family Feud has been around for a while. I don't know how yeah. long Steve Harvey's been on it compared to... There's there probably was a guy that did it before. I don't know. Yeah. But still, I mean, his his perspective, when I heard him in a totally different, like, form... Yeah. Eye-opening. He's pretty, like, um, engaging. And, like, when he speaks... And I've seen a couple things, maybe. I, I can't really think of anything, but... He knows he's a master at using his voice and his inflection yeah. and his um, tonality, like we, we talked about before. Um, he's he he brings you in, and if you like, sometimes I feel like I, I can do okay with that stuff, but then I'm like missing a a great message. <laughs> like he has the messages to go with it. Yeah, he's a great storyteller, and um, yeah, he's he's far more motivational yeah. as like a, I think he was, he kind of started as a comedian more than anything. Yeah. I believe. I think that was one of the difficult portions of it, the start of his career. He was trying to be more in the comedy scene, be a comedian. Yeah. Um, and like in a motivational aspect, you just don't see that. Like those two spectrums are kind of on polar opposites. Yeah. You have a guy who's not as serious. who's a comedian. You have a guy that's serious and motivational, and inspirational, but he's, he, exemplifies both of those spectrums yeah, really well. It, that's a great example, man. I'm going to look at uh, Family Feud in a different light from the one. <laughs> um, it's funny. I actually interviewed a guy that I went to high school with who he's done really well. You ever, did I ever tell you about this guy? The guy that was on Bar Rescue. Do you know that show? I know that show. Uh, yeah. That guy that yells at everybody. Y- yeah. So not him, uh, <laughs> but one of his chefs, right? So his name was Chef Nicky. And so is this guy that I graduated high school with. He moved out to right like got his car went right to california after high school graduation and like just didn't know what direction he wanted to go in but he ended up you know becoming like a cook and this and went back to become a chef didn't had like this really hard road and lived out of his car for a number of months and like all this stuff and you know now he has he was on bar rescue for seven seasons and then he has his own show or doc series on netflix called um Oh, man, he's going to kill me, but I can't think of it. But anyway, it came out like about a year ago. And, you know, when I interviewed him, it was, you know, it's just a guy that I knew from high school. But to hear his story and people see him like, man, but to see what he went through, like you said, living out of your car, like getting rejected just time after time after time, like getting basically harassed by chefs and like telling them, you know, that you're nothing and you're never going to make it and this and that. And like you, you show up and all of a sudden you're on Netflix. Wow. I wish I, that must be nice. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, um, it's, it's interesting because you see that. I, I want to say end result, but it's not really an end result, right? You see that result of, of working hard, but people don't really understand the voyage that it took to get to that result yeah, or to get to that point in time. Well, what do you say to the people though, before I tell you my, my movie, which I, I have to, um, what do you say to people that, you know, you have experienced it, I've experienced it, um, you know, when you're grinding, you're working hard, but it feels like it's not happening. Like it's not going to get there. You're not seeing any results. As a matter of fact, people are telling you to not do it. And people are saying, why are you doing that? That doesn't work. But, and you're starting to question yourself, like whatever it is, whether it's business, life, a goal, 
I don't know. What advice would you give to somebody to, to maybe keep going? There's not a direct path, right? There's not, there's not one solution, right? There's not one way to make a million dollars. There's not one way to reach uh, success in achieving a trophy or an award or a status or anything like that. There's a lot of different ways. And uh, it can be done in different processes. But just because one person doesn't agree with the way that you're doing it does not mean that it's the wrong way. So if you firmly believe, I think you have to analyze whether or not it's something that is going to uh, be rewarding. If it's going to drive you closer to your end result, not be rewarding, because most of the time delayed gratification is is hard to see at the forefront of things because it takes time. So I think if you think that what you're doing and you truly believe that what you're doing is driving you closer to the end result, regardless of what someone's opinion is, and I would say a lot of the time, far majority of the time, it's an opinion that someone has about what you're doing. It's not a fact. A hard fact needs to have data that represents that it is incorrect. So unless I can prove to you with legitimate numbers and data that what you're doing does not work, it's just an opinion. Yeah. And just because they don't agree with that and they don't think it's the right way does not mean it is the wrong way. Yeah. But how do you, you know, I love that you said that and it made me think about it a little bit differently, but you're still going to be... Self-doubt creeps in sometimes because like, oh, all these people are saying this sucks and why am I doing that? And you're like starting to be like, oh, I think it's right. But how do you how do you almost subside those inner thoughts of like quitting or not? (sighs) So this is interesting (laughs) because today, actually, at four o'clock, the Bender continues the podcast we were talking about earlier. An episode drops on that, which is called Why So Serious, which we talk about. Um kind of motivation and things like that. And, and I, I think I, I think in that episode, I broke it up as well. There's a couple of different factors that come into it. I think that one, um, self-doubt's going to creep in. It creeps in all the time to yeah. everybody. It doesn't matter who they are, where they are, what stage, it's going to happen. But I think that people feel that motivation helps you overcome doubt. That's not always the case. I think in the short term, motivation is a factor that comes into play. But discipline is what is actually going to drive you past doubt. And yeah. discipline is the fact that is the, is the factor that actually inhibits you to keep going when it gets hard. Yeah. Discipline is the thing that's going to make you keep waking up at 5 a.m. to go work out. It's not motivation. Motivation might get you out of bed. It might get you into a deeper state of doing what you're doing. But discipline is the thing that's going to keep you doing the things that are difficult when you do not want to do them. So there's that, right? You need to, um, I would say, you need to be aware of discipline and be more disciplined in your activity. The other thing is, I think there's two states of motivation. And motivation is, again, something that's going to be in the short term. You need to have an internal state of motivation and be self-motivated to do things. But you can use things for... uh, I would say inhibiting external states of motivation. If you were, and I get in this state sometimes, if you are very demotivated at that point in time, discipline is going to definitely help you know and be aware that you are not in the state of mind that you need to be in in order to take action. You could use a source of external motivation. And I would refer to that as a podcast, a YouTube video. Mm. Just YouTube motivational video. Mm-hmm. There's a million of them. Yep. You could turn that on and alter the energy that is around you 
at that point in time, literally in the deepest, darkest times, you can turn that on and shift the energy level in your, in your surroundings. Yeah. As that shift happens, you could inhibit self-motivation and acquire more self-internal motivation. And that's going to allow you to start the task and to kick discipline into more like of a, of a hyperdrive or into a bigger, better state. So I think it depends on how difficult the state that you're in is. Yeah. But using internal and external motivation to drive discipline and allow discipline to take you further. Yeah. Um, I think there's multiple states in it. And anybody that's like, you know, there's people out there that are like, oh, motivation's BS and, um, you know, you just need to be disciplined. Like, I agree, right? Like, I agree with discipline's going to take you further. But motivation is going to make you get out of bed and it's going to help you yeah. actually get into the state that you need to be in in order to do that. Discipline is just knowing and just being aware. Yeah. Um, that answer is awesome. I mean, that was a very detailed um, combination of those two factors that, you know, I, you hear people say all the time, oh, I got to get motivation. I gotta, it's like, like you said, eh, you just, no, you don't. You need to set a routine and you need to discipline yourself to get up at this time every day and make it happen. Don't make excuses, all that stuff. But, you know, you said something interesting in there too, which I thought was like to give yourself another energy. And one thing that um, I love, you know, that you mentioned energy, because I feel that um, energy is a real thing and I don't know how to calculate it. And I don't know, you know, if there's some like something that Ty has some like energy meter or something like that back there. <laughs> but if you have energy, um, it's contagious. And if yes. someone else has it, it's contagious. And I love being around people with that energy. And I love giving positive energy to others. I think that's the entire reason that work from home didn't work like people thought I was going to. Mm. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Work from home is good in theory, right? It allows you to do certain things that you may not be able to do in an office setting or a school setting or any type of in-person setting. But the one thing that we were fully remote at one point. The one thing that I noticed about fully remote, right, is that sharing energy and allowing a, a, a multitude of people, right, like a larger community of people, yeah. 10 people, five people, is very, very difficult to do in a not in-person setting, yeah. like in a remote setting. Yes. An office atmosphere for us does it make sense financially for a company? Well, you're adding overhead, so kind of no, right? Because, I mean, the difference between Zoom and an overhead in a building is literally thousands and thousands of dollars a month. Like, I can buy, like, five homes. So mm -hmm. it's, it's dramatically different financially. But the level of energy that you get in person is going to build ba bigger and better team support structure and uh, culture. And the only way to effectively build culture and shift energy is in person. I mean, you could do it all off, but I think if you do it off site and you do like a Zoom call and you're like, yeah, let's do a rally. And then as soon as that thing goes off, it's you're on a decline of yeah. motivation and discipline, right? You're on a decline of energy level, but in a setting you can shift that all day. Like I can go into the office right now, clap it up and get people hyped up. I can't be like, okay, can you guys meet me on five minutes on a Zoom call every hour, like just to hype people up? Yeah. I just think that that's the reason. I think energy is specifically the reason, especially with large, large companies. 
I couldn't agree more. I mean, you're talking about it as a company, but I feel like there's so many parallels between just because you know I don't drive profits or have any revenue as a teacher. Like it's all kind of the same. Like yeah. I'm still selling ideas, and I'm still I, energy is ever present. If if you're a great teacher or a good teacher, you're gonna have energy. Yeah. Um, kid, you you want people to be around you. You, you know, the whole idea is like if kids come in or employees come in and they kind of want to be there or they really want to be there, you're, you're exhibiting good energies probably. So I guess the next thing I would say to you is like, how do you, how do you think as the CEO of this company, um, the boss, how do you make it? So, cause if you look at like old school boss, like get your ass in here at eight o'clock, you know, it's almost out of fear. A lot of stuff was out of fear. And I'm not saying that element isn't present like in some capacity, but as a leader, as a CEO of a company, do you think it's important, based on what you said with energy and all of those things, to make a situation or an atmosphere where people want to work for you? And if so, how do you motivate them? How do you energize them, so to speak? It's a hard balance, right? I think that um, like we're in the middle of a we might be in the middle of a tornado or a hurricane. Yeah, we, sure. we may be it's pretty, <laughs> thundering pretty hard right now. Yeah, it's just typical cool. hurricane season in Florida. Yeah. Um, you don't seem to be alarmed, so I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, until this building is like, you see stuff flying off the wall. Um, uh, the initially, I, f I forget the, the actual name of the individual. I think it was in the 16th century. Uh, I think his name is Nicolo, Nicola, like Nikolova or something like that. He's the person that created the saying, I'd rather be feared than loved. Oh, yeah. Like that, right. And I've read a lot about this because I've been in organizations where I was the leader of an organization and it drove great, tremendous results, but I was more feared than loved. Mm -hmm. and, I, and when I created this company, I thought about those circumstances and I thought about how a leadership role in an organization uh, actually creates an environment for inhibiting larger results and more success. I think it's, it's difficult because I think that you need to have a balance between both of them. Mm -hmm. I think in a leadership role, um, at any point in time, the only thing that I care about is result, right? Result for our business and result for our client. And if there's a result that's going to be achieved and you need to be doing something remote for a period of time and it's going to help create a better environment, um, let's say you're taking care of a sick person or, mm -hmm. or a spouse or something like that, or you need to go, uh, we've, we've had these circumstances. I don't think it's fair to say that you should be, you're, you're basically in house or you're, you're in no house, right? yeah. like you're, you're out. I think that if, if you are in a state of give and take, it's going to be a better state and a more fair culture environment. And culture is super important, but it would be, it, be a better culturally driven environment where people feel like they want to work there because you're more flexible with them. Yeah. And then it creates a state of, of more love than fear. But at the same time, if someone is not getting results done and they are, they are creating a negative aroma, a negative energy for the business, for their peers. I think if someone starts to negatively affect peers, that's a big red flag. Yeah. Um, and we've had those positions that people come into positions in the company and they don't last. Yeah. And it's not because they don't last because I don't like them as a person. So they don't last because they don't create a better environment for the company and the growth of the company. Yeah. And if then they don't outside of that, if they don't 
live by certain morals and standards that allow them to be a better person and help the people around them be a better person. And that's, that's a problem too, right? And I'm not saying every day you have to be hunky-dory about everything. Like, people have emotions. Yeah, for sure. Um, but in order to create an environment, I think you have to be flexible. You have to be understanding. You have to be, you have to acknowledge who's adding what to the environment. And then you have to make sure that collectively everyone's working towards results. And if anyone goes off balance in that, a discussion is needed. And if it's a discussion that happens too frequently, then they're just not a part of your culture and understanding that. Makes a lot of sense. I like it. I mean, that's a hard role, man, because it's like, you know, it's funny. It's not funny, but comparing like education and business is kind of the same, but it's also not because in education, it's like, well, if you get a teacher, say you're a principal or something, you get a teacher that's a little bit off and they're not, they're, they're creating that environment where in your role, you'd be like, all right, well, it's just, you know, you're a nice person, whatever. It's not working out. A lot of times you can't even do that. in in teaching, it's like, once they get in, it's like, they're kind of just there for forever. Um, and maybe there's some remediations and stuff, but that's why sometimes it's hard to compare like education and, and private business. Uh, but one thing, one last thing I kind of want to ask you about that is how important is it to you as a CEO, a leader to get to know your employees on a personal level? Is there a limit? Is it, you know, do you make it a point to ask how weekends were, um, get to know family members? Is that important or is that overstepping? And how do you see all of that in a business? I think it's important. I try to I try to go to lunch with everybody once in a while. I try to, um, we typically do, we'll do a team, like I would call it like an outing or like some yeah. fun event. We'll do that together. We've done different things. We've been to, I would say our most recent one, Ty, was probably the, um, the preseason baseball game that was we did that right. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Um, so that's not far. Uh, the Astros play not too far from here. Yeah, uh, for their preseason. Oh, the summer. Uh, the sp- spring, yeah, spring ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was fun. We try to do that, but that's we're doing that to to create an environment on a personal level, right outside of business. Yeah. But I for for me it's a it's a personal voyage because I am not the person that um um. I don't want to say cares, but I'm not the person (laughs) that has a lot of emotional aptitude for someone who has a complaint. And it's hard for me to think of something as a complaint compared to a real world problem. Yeah. Like one thing that pops up a lot is like people have car troubles. Like I understand my car could literally go on fire and I'll still walk to work. Yep. Like I I just will. I I don't know. I'll, I'll walk to work. And if I show up two hours late, but I walk to work, I showed up two hours late, Yeah. but I'll call someone. Yeah. And I've been on the side where like, I had one time, my one car, it like would get stuck in, it was a stick shift and it would get stuck in reverse. Right? I'm not even kidding. Bad situation. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like back out of a parking spot and couldn't go forward. Like I was, I left that thing there and you I drove I'd, to work backwards. I, I know. I didn't drive <laughs> backwards. I just left it. Like, but I, I just, I think that there's going back to like what we've talked about a lot today is figure it out. And I, I think that I push that barrier on people a little bit more aggressively than someone who's more understanding, right? I'm not an HR person. I'm not. Uh, Patty is definitely more the HR person. Yeah. So if you have something that's you want an emotion out of, definitely don't come to me. And that's something personally that I've tried to develop myself into more, yeah. being more understanding towards people. But again, it goes back to like, I want the results. I tried to come 
down to uh, a more personal level with people and, and start to understand them at a personal level, specifically because I've been in business with people I did not know personally enough. Yeah. And I think knowing something, someone at a personal level allows you to understand who they are as a person, right? If they have these long tail things of being a bad individual, well, they're probably not going to be good in business because they're a bad individual too. Like yeah. the, at, at the end of the day, like people are people and in a business setting, you want to make sure you're with the right people. And that's what's going to collectively create a good culture. And a bad egg in that environment will cause issues in the culture. Yeah. So you have to know people personally. There is a limit, right? I'm, there, I, there are certain limits with things. I think if people think I'm too friendly, then at the same time, people start to lack an understanding of boundaries of where... Uh, things can and cannot be done in business because at the end of the day, again, it goes back to me for results. Yeah. And if you think like, oh, Ken won't care. Like, no, I do care. Like, I care more so than a lot of people would care. But just don't don't take like if you take a personal level uh, for as a grain of salt with me, then you kind of like lose that element with me. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that all of this goes back to personal development in a in a leadership role. Yeah whether it's a CEO or it's any type of other C-level executive or anything like that, I think that it's all personal development. Um, but for me particularly, I think uh, I'm not an HR person. I've, I've understand there's probably not a role I'm the best in. Yeah. Um, I mean business a lot more so, but I do want to know people at a, at a personal level and I try to do that as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a balance, right? I mean, you, you, you said it beautifully. I mean, just spoke on that. I think that, you know, if I... If I was running my own company, I think that at the end of the day, I'm going to probably lean more towards like productivity and getting results because that's the, those are the things that are going to allow me to continue my yeah, business. <laughs> of course. Um, but at the same time, it seems like you're exhibiting the appropriate amount of time to personal relationships and, and those types of things. Um, stepping aside from that, and we've been on here for a little while and we might be in the middle of a hurricane. I'm going to wrap this up soon, but I wanted, I know you guys are like, man, when is Jim going to mention the movie? And I, it's coming, Ty. I know you've been back there. Actually, Ty's asleep right now. It's going to end without Um, the movie for me that not only exhibited, um, a great leader, but maybe shaped my childhood. And you guys are younger than me, so this may not resonate with you. Goonies. Goonies, okay. Ty, do you know what that is? Loved Goonies. It scared me a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> yeah what particularly scared you? The, the guy in the, the dungeon or Yeah, the... <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Sloth? Yeah, Sloth. Yeah, Sloth yeah, yeah. scared the... <laughs> Baby Ruth? That guy? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, well, the movie, not as much. Um, the main character, Mikey, yeah. who I think is Sean Astin, who also played in Rudy. Oh, okay. He was the main character. I didn't know that that was the same guy. Yeah, it was, it was him. He was just so young. Yeah. Um, he... Oh, wow. Uh, do you remember the movie? Do you remember, yeah, the, I remember the, the movie. what it was about? Ty, do you kind of remember? Or you just remember the, like the not being able to sleep at night back in Arizona. I got most of it. Okay. Um, so anyway, he goes and you know he finds this treasure map and he kind of goes after it. When everyone sort of said like, "Oh, don't do that. It's too dangerous," and he kept everyone going. He took risks. He even kissed the girl, the older girl. Like he yeah. went for it. You know what I mean? And he wasn't afraid to take those challenges and take those risks. And people sort of like towards the end, he was like an un, I would say like an unsung hero almost, or someone that you wouldn't expect would be leading the path. And he did. And he saved, um, you know, he, he found the one-eyed Willie treasure and he saved his, he saved the house and he saved everything. 
Um, he was kind of like, I guess he was kind of like the hero in the end and yeah. made everybody feel good about being around him. And I always liked that. I liked it so much that in Astoria, Oregon, the house from Goonies is still there. I visited it um, cool. four or five times, which right. is crazy and weird, but it's still the same. Because like Steven Spielberg, as you know, is a great you know director yeah. and all. He directed that. And I go, I go back into my childhood every time I'm there and I'm like picturing his neighbor Data ziplining from his house, coming out of the window over to Mikey's house. And like I see it and I feel it. I get chills and I'm like, man, this is it. So for me... That movie, thank you, Steven Spielberg. Um, thank you, Mikey, Sean Astin, for inspiring me to kind of like go on all these adventures in my life, but also to um, follow in your footsteps of trying to lead in a, in a great way like you did. So Awesome. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah and cool. Ken's like, I never heard of Goonies. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> no, I, I have about. definitely. Um, it's been years, but I, I've seen it. I've seen it a handful of times. Yeah, a handful of times. Um well, hey, it's been an honor to be down here uh, to host my podcast in the um, you know Mass Inbound Studios. Is that do you have a name for the studio? No, just Mass Inbound Studios. Mass Inbound yeah. Studios in beautiful West Palm Beach. Um, Ken was my guest today. Thanks again, Ken. Of course, welcome uh, anytime. Love love being on here. And our special guest Ty that was even able to find at the last second the um, Bill Gates <laughs> video of him dancing. I appreciate that. It's the first time and possibly the last time I'll ever have a producer. But thanks again. And you can check out the Leader Next Door podcast every Thursday on Spotify and Apple and anywhere you find your podcast. So thanks again, everyone.